everybody, if you'd like to take your seats. I know you're putting the world to rights, so that's all good. Lovely. Good morning. Welcome. Welcome, everybody. Everybody in the building, everybody on the other side of that camera. Good morning. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Father God, we come to you today. We come in dark places with difficult things happening. And Lord, we declare to you this morning that we are yours. Your people, your children. We thank you for your grace, which allows us to be that. It just brings to mind that poster. Has everybody, it's a little boy, and he's little, he's like three, and he's got his fists up, and he's going, back off, devil, I belong to Jesus. And I love it, because he's only little. Um, so, if you feel comfortable, shall we just say that? Are you ready? Back off, devil, we belong to Jesus. Yes, we do. Um, Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you for worshipping with me. It's been awesome. Um, let's just pass on to David, who's going to bring us into communion. Isn't it amazing and powerful that at the name of Jesus, all can be made well? No matter what we're facing, no matter what we're going through. And boy, some of us are going through it. Some of us are really going through it. Right now, all things that are to come. And we've sung this morning many different words that identify Jesus as the saviour, as the rescuer, as the one that has overcome. And that gives a word of assurance to us that we too can overcome. But at what cost? At what cost? Well, John who was there and saw that recorded it. And it says that Jesus was nailed to the cross. And we can just stop there and think of that for a long time. A human being nailed to a cross. The nails driven through the hands and the feet to hold them there so they would die a, a, a cruciating death. And you think, why? What must this person have done? As many asked. Simply to say, as it's recorded, nothing. And then it's stranger to get your heads around to think, well, if he's done nothing, then why do it? Well, he did it willingly. For you. And for me. And for all that are yet to come. And he did it gladly. Knowing the suffering that it took. But he did it. And whilst he had to carry his own cross, 
as he was nailed to it and raised up in the air. Knowing that all now was finished, Jesus said, I thirst. And a jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. Wow, how gracious. Jesus had received it and he said, it is finished. He bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And people may have cheered and mocked and jeered. That's it, he's gone. But oh, little did they know that three days later, that even after he was buried, and even as we declared, the grave couldn't hold him, death couldn't hold him, because the power of the resurrection burst forth and he arose from that tomb. And Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw the stone that had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, disciple <clears throat> the one who Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've laid him. And later on we know it gives the recollection that he appeared to them. All that had been said came to fruition. And all that he commanded them to say came to fruition because we're able to stand this side of the cross and look back with a certainty in our heart of hearts to know that surely this is the Son of God, the Messiah. How does all this fit into that? Well, Jesus reminded us in that upper room with his disciples, his loved ones, and he told them that this would happen. And while they were sat around eating supper, supper, he took the bread and when he had blessed it and gave thanks, he broke it saying that this is my body, which is for you. Take this and eat in remembrance of me. That must have seemed really strange because he was alive and kicking with them there and celebrating. But yet sorrow was yet to come. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, said that this is my blood, which is poured out for the forgiveness of all. Drink this in remembrance of me. And so the disciples did that. And in one account, we're reminded that Jesus says that I will not drink of the vine again until I can drink it afresh and anew with you in eternal paradise. Again, an assurance of Jesus for us as we sit here today in our context, in our lives, that we're not just participating because it's a good thing to do, but in remembrance of what Jesus has done, not only for us, but for all that are still yet to come. That we remember him as our Lord and Saviour, at the great eternal cost of that sacrifice for redemption, bought by his precious blood. That we can stand here and declare his name knowing that we are ransomed, healed, restored and forgiven. All because of what happened at the cross and all because of the power of the resurrection that brought forth life for eternity. So as we eat of this bread and as we drink of this cup, we do so in remembrance until the Lord comes again. This is an open table and all are welcome to participate in the taking of the bread and the wine for those that love the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. And so the elements will come round. 
bread is gluten-free. Take it and eat it as you receive it. The cup, take it and retain it and we'll drink of a sign of our unity together at the end. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, I do not think that no matter how many times we read the account of the crucifixion and resurrection that we would get our heads around just at the great cost and at the sacrifice that Jesus took to bring about restoration and reconciliation in a relationship with you through him. And so, Father God, I'm sure that leaves us in no doubt that all we can do is thank you that the great cost has been paid. That we can stand forgiven. Knowing that Jesus has paid the price. He took on the weight of the world and the sin and the shame. And there took it to the grave. And there left it in power of resurrection and rose again supremely. So as we find ourselves gathered around your table this morning, Lord, we give thanks that we can be counted as part of that number. That we too will celebrate the works that your son has done and continues to do within our lives and will continue to come uh, to do when he comes again. So Lord, may we be found at your table with open hearts for all that we are for all that you are, for all that you have done and for all that you will continue to do in and through our lives as we celebrate and declare that Jesus Christ is risen, he is Lord and he reigns forevermore. Hallelujah, praise your name Jesus. We thank you this day. Lord, open our hearts to see you, to receive you, to be renewed by you as we come in remembrance to eat of the body that was broken and to drink of the blood that was poured out for the forgiveness of all, once and for all. Amen. So come, receive the bread and the wine, the body and the blood of Christ with thanksgiving. And so in this sign of unity bought by the precious blood of Christ, let us raise our cups in thanksgiving to all that Christ has done, all that Christ will do, and all that Christ will do again when he comes. In his name, amen. Lord, we give you thanks that we are found at your table. We give you thanks that we are refreshed and renewed, not just physically, but spiritually, Lord. May we endeavour to, endeavor to walk with you, to be guided by you, to follow you, and to declare your name aloud, that all that may hear may come to know and love you as their Lord and Saviour. Lord, we give you thanks. Strengthen us, equip us, and lead us, we pray, in this day and forevermore to come. In your name and for your glory. Amen.
Good morning, everybody, and welcome to uh, everyone who's joined us. Good to see so many actually here in the building this morning. And also, of course, we welcome those who are watching on YouTube, whether you're part of our regular uh, church uh, service, uh, part of our church family, or you've logged in or whatever for the first time. We do hope that you'll uh, enjoy your time with us this morning. So after this morning service, we have our church meeting at around about 12 o'clock. If you can grab a drink as quick as you can, and then we can get started because there's quite a bit of business to sort. Uh, as I've mentioned in, in a, couple, uh, a couple of weeks previously, we do extend this an invitation to anyone who isn't a church member for this meeting. Um, if you feel that you are very much part of the church family and that you support the leadership team and um, the church as a whole, please uh, feel free to join us. And um, We've got quite a few things that we need to discuss that concerns the wider church. So... Uh, also, if anyone uh, has any item for any other business, can you please let me or David know before we start the meeting? I know it's a bit short notice, but uh, if you could do that, otherwise we can't really address it as part of the meeting. Uh, so uh, that's just a little thing that we need to be thinking about just before we start. So Monday, tomorrow, the 5th of February, prayer and meditation uh, via Zoom at 930 on Tuesday, we have the ARC playgroup from 10 o'clock until 11.30 and then from 1 until 2.30. And as it's the first Tuesday in the month, it's a busy day for Jan especially, uh, Mini Messy Church, and that starts from half past three until five. If, if you think anyone would like to, uh, you know, anyone that would like to join, to come to this, um, please, please, oh, can't speak, please feel free to uh, invite them. There's some flyers at the back. Um, and uh, they'd be very welcome. Tuesday the 8th, we have our lunch club down here at church at 12 o'clock. And on Saturday the 10th, it's the men's breakfast. So please, if you can, let Michael or George or Mark know that, you're, that you come in. But if you just turn up on the last minute, that's fine as well. Um, it's a really good time to invite uh, family and friends, if anyone, obviously they've got to be men, you know, which is a bit of a bone of contention at the minute, I think. <laughs> but uh, yes, that everyone, everyone's very welcome. If you look at the sign outside, uh, it, uh, it tells you all that you need to know. Oh, very busy weekend here. Uh, we're eating again on Sunday the 11th, and this is next Sunday. It's Cafe Church. If anyone's not aware of what this is like, we do it a couple of times a year, and uh, it's, it is what it says, really. It's a cafe-style church. We take all the chairs out. Well, we, we rearrange the chairs, I should say. You're not going to be standing up all morning. <laughs> and we put, we put tables. Uh, there'll be activities on the tables. It's just a lovely free and easy morning to get to know each other. We will be serving food, um, and there will be a short message. But please feel free to invite friends, family that maybe are not used to coming to normal services, whatever that means, uh, and that is next Sunday. And then we're eating again the following Tuesday, the 13th, where it's our Lent supper. Uh, we've got an Italian theme running through it this year. Um, it starts at six o'clock. We're asking for a, a donation of three pounds for adults and a pound for children to cover the cost of the food. Some flyers again at the, at the back. Please sign up if you're able. We've got quite a few names on there already. Thank you for that, just so that we make sure that we've, we've got enough food. 
I think that's everything. There's flyers and all sorts of information at the back, including the newsletter. The newsletter's got loads of stuff in it this month with Easter coming up. I will mention the events a bit, a bit later so we don't get too bombarded with dates and things. But there's a lot of information in there. Please do take them for family, friends, who you think might like to uh, be aware of what's going on. And, of course, website, Facebook page are all regularly updated. Or, as I always say, give us a ring if you need anything. Thank you. Thanks, Carol. Suzanne's going to come up and uh, bring us our reading this morning. Thank you. Hello. The readings from Mark 15, verses 33 to 41, which is on page 853, if you've got the Church Bible in front of you. And it's titled, The Death of Jesus. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And in the at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, Behold, he is still, he's calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him, saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the Son of God. There were also women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, the younger, and Joseph and Salome. When he was in Galilee, they followed him and ministered to him, and there were also many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. Thanks, Suzanne. Thank you very much. Well, believe it or not, we've come to the end of this series. It's been five weeks already. Um, and in a moment, we're going to look more at uh, Jesus as the Son of God, but just uh, as, as, as wrapping this series up, if you like, I just wonder... What have you learned through this series so far? What's spoken to you? Has there been a, a fresh revelation of Jesus? Have you taken something away differently that you may have known before? Have you learned something new? Thoughts, comments, don't be silent. Because if you've learned nothing, you need to go back and rewatch it because you should be learning. Anyone? Wow, nobody. Well, that's fine. What I would say is though, that we should be learning. We should be expecting to encounter God every time we come, every time we open his word, be it at home or here. We should be encountering and learning, refreshing, reminding. So I'd encourage you to go back and look over the series, reflect on what's been said while seeking wisdom and guidance. It's important. It's good practice. It enables you to further develop your relationship in Christ with God. Because we all aim to be more Christ-like, do we not? We all aim to be better 
in our faith and in our deeds for the glory of Jesus Christ, of being disciples who make disciples. And that relationship can only happen through Christ. It will only happen as we read and learn more of him and work more at that. So there's something to look at as you go forward. As we said, we're finally looking at Mark chapter 15, and in particular today, Jesus named as the Son of God. But it comes remarkably from someone who is unexpected within this scenario, this situation that we find and that we hear of. It records that testimony of John speaking about the death of Christ, the resurrection as well, but it records the testimony of a centurion, a Roman soldier declaring Jesus as the Son of God. And the great significance of that as Jesus the Son of God is absolutely foundational as uh, central to belief of our Christian theology. Because without that, what are we basing it upon? If Jesus Christ is not the Messiah, the Son of God, if he is not fully human and yet still fully divine, and if he didn't die and didn't raise again, then what are the heck are we basing our faith upon? It's not that we just come and see this as a Sunday club where we have a bit of a sing-song and chuck a few coppers in and maybe have a bit of a drink and a bite to eat and a natter. It's about developing and, and seeking to further develop relationship and fellowship through Jesus Christ and with each other to further his kingdom here in this area that we find ourselves as it is in heaven, is it not? So understanding this concept involves recognising Jesus' divine nature and we've looked at that a lot over these last few weeks through the different names that we find recorded in history and through our Bibles that people have said or Jesus himself has declared as. And his role in salvation, that unique relationship that he shares with Father God, uh, Father God in that ultimate plan of rescue, of salvation, of redemption through the resurrection. I guess as we look at it, you see this divine nature where Jesus shares that same nature as God the Father. He shares it in a way um, with Father, Son and Holy Spirit together, that concept that is integral to the doctrine of the Trinity. I know these may be big things for some people to get their heads around, but it's important that we know that God exists in three persons, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And in doing that, we then begin to see the unique relationship with God the Father, the Son of God. It reflects that unique and intimate relationship between Jesus and God. And often, as I say, John records that. And in particular, as you look at John chapter 15, there it talks about the vine. I remain in the Father as the Father remains in me. Therefore, also remain in me and I will remain in you. You've got this beautiful imagery of an unbreakable bond and relationship that we can be part of. Why? Because Jesus is in that unique relationship with God the Father. Because he is God, as Rob often says, with skin on. Came to earth in the form of a babe, a helpless babe, a refugee, if you like, had nothing, came from nothing and went with nothing, but yet left and gives so much. So it's part of that unique relationship and it goes beyond the mere familial term, if you like, expressing that oneness and purpose and unity of the essence within that Godhead and the role that he plays within that. 
that role of salvation as it goes forward. The role in creation as it affirms in New Testament that Jesus says as the Son of God played that vital role in the creation of universe. Again, you can read in John chapter 1 and, and verse 1 following, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning through him. All things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. This isn't just something that we talk about and think, oh, that sounds okay, or I'm not sure about that. This is foundational beliefs. This is Jesus who is telling us exactly who he is, what he's come to do, and what he'll continue to do. It's whether we seek that relationship with him as Messiah and Saviour. That designation, if you like, as Son of God, also points to Jesus as the prophesied Messiah and Saviour of humanity. Because without that, what are we? What is our purpose in life? We've all been through that. That's one of those big theological lifetime questions at whatever point. What the heck am I doing here? What is my purpose? Who am I? Who am I? What am I? What is life? There's got to be more to it than this. Well, there is. There's Jesus. And there's that unique relationship as Son of God through Father God. There's the authority and the Lordship, that title, if you like, Son of God, as it conveys Jesus' authority and Lordship over all creation, signifying his rightful position of King of Kings and Lord of Lords with authority over both spiritual and earthly realms to what he'll come back to and regain and lead us forward into that eternal nature. Jesus believed to have existed from eternity past and will continue to exist for eternity. Which again, I guess is quite hard to get our heads around. Eternity forever and ever with no end. What does that look like? When sometimes in our earthly realm and our earthly bodies and situation, we can't wait for certain things to end. You might be sat there thinking this sermon is one. But eternity. That Christ is who he says he is and will come back and do what he says he will do. Can we be counted in that number? As we recognise truly who he is and for what he's done and to declare him with our lips that Jesus is Lord and Saviour of all. And through that, through the faith and then comes the deeds of going out and sharing that with others. Because why would we want to keep something so precious and so personal to ourselves when we can share that with others? And so they too can also come to know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour and be part of that also. Eternal nature underscoring the pre-existence before his incarnation and emphasises his timeless and unchanging character. He doesn't change. He is the same yesterday, today and for always ever will be. What may change, if you like, is the vehicle of how we use to get to reach people with that. To be honoured and anointed and blessed that Christ lives within us through power of Holy Spirit. To be able to go and do that. Who is Jesus to you? Because all those things are very true, if you believe it. If you don't, you may struggle with it. 
But ultimately, when we hear of this passage in Mark 15, where Jesus is upon the cross, what about the centurion? What has he seen? What has he heard? For those that know, a Roman centurion is, is, is an officer within the Roman army, if you like. Centurion, cent is where you get sentry. Hundred would have been in charge of about 60 to 100 people. So he's not just a minion, if you like. He, he has a, a position of authority and of power. Crucifixion is second nature to him. Would have done it day in, day out. It's nothing. But also for Romans in their beliefs, if you like, of gods and goddesses, that Caesar, Tiberius Caesar, is the divine son of the divine God that they see as, as Augustus. And so for anyone to turn around and say, surely this is the son of God, is treason. Punishable by death. And yet we find remarkably, of all the people that would have been stood around that crucifixion going on with Jesus there, you find a Roman soldier turning around and saying, surely this was the son of God. Now, we weren't there, of course. Otherwise, some people have had an easy paper on being looking good. But the fact of the matter is, he has declared this. Whether he said it quietly or whether he said it aloud, surely someone would have heard this. And so that's quite brave for him to declare. And if you like, one of probably the first early witnesses and converts, if you like, to recognize exactly who Jesus was. Of course, in the other account, you have Jesus upon the cross with the thieves, and one of them recognizes who Jesus is. But yet you also have this account of a Roman soldier, an unlikely character that would even declare and recognize who Jesus is, but yet he does. What has he seen? What has he heard? Again, when you look at this in context, you see at the beginning of this chapter, Jesus standing before Pilate, falsely accused, mocked by the very people he came to save. Pilate's torn between what he should do. He finds him innocent, but he's pressured um, uh, and by political pressure and is torn by the justice and ultimately succumbs to the crowd's demands and condemns Jesus to be crucified. And that unfolding drama, if you like, we see the Son of God willingly submitting himself to the suffering and the shame of the cross taken upon the sins of the world. And as we heard, he's nailed to the cross. And he's dying an agonizing death. And in that moment, we witness the profound truth that Jesus of the Son of God willingly bore our sins and brought about reconciliation between God and humanity. A testimony bore even more by this Roman soldier. The declaration that we see, that we hear, the transformation of power of Jesus' sacrifice, breaking through all cultural and religious barriers to touch the hearts of those who witnessed his crucifixion. For a lot of people, of course, it stops there. He was a good man and he died a death. No one can deny that. The historical evidence is there. What then people struggle with, as I say often, is the resurrection. Open your hearts to power of Holy Spirit, to have it revealed to you just exactly who he is. What is it to be frightened of? What have you got to gain or to lose? To lose nothing but to gain or so much more. Oh, so much more when you open your hearts and allow God to enter in. 
There comes transformation. As we often say, and, and maybe sometimes slightly joke at, don't think everything's going to be all rosy and that you're going to become rich and, and everything else. For those people that say that, as I often say, run a mile. But the very difference is, is that there is assurance of eternity, a life that is yet to come, where there is no more tears, no more pain, no more sadness, but everlasting life in a better world that Christ is preparing. There's also the transformation within our life that we never face things alone, even though sometimes we may feel alone. We're never truly alone because Christ is with us always through power of Holy Spirit, the gift that he left us with. I guess what the soldier had declared, what was going on around leaves, if you like, this declaration and the theological conundrum of that in the sense that it underscores that universal nature of Jesus' redemptive work. It's suggesting that even this centurion, an outsider to Jewish religion and beliefs, is able to recognise the divine nature of Jesus. Otherwise, why else would he have said it? He wouldn't have believed. And you can go back through Scripture and see all the other people, Jews and non-Jews, of, of where they're recognising the thief, Nicodemus, and, and all the other people. So surely there's got to be something there that they recognise who Jesus is. But quite often what happens is the darkness of their hearts, not wanting to, of being corrupted because maybe they may feel they have to give something up in order to follow, to believe, and to do. There comes sacrifice, but yet we've already seen the ultimate sacrifice of Christ upon the cross. This confession that we hear, it's often seen as a precursor, if you like, to the proclamation of the gospel to the Gentiles, even spread around uh, the spread of Christianity beyond the boundaries of Judaism because it emphasizes the inclusivity of God's plan for salvation and the transformational power of encountering Jesus even in the most unexpected places by sometimes the most unexpected people. You remember last year sometime, maybe even the year before, and I can't quite remember, Malcolm, you'll remind me, of when David from Australia came. And he shared in his study of when he was on the bus to Sheffield and he just wanted to mind his own business and get to a place in Sheffield. But yet he felt God prompting him to get off the bus at a stop he wasn't quite re yet ready to get off at. And he ended up in this bookshop and he said to him, he said here, he stood here and said, he wasn't sure why he ended up in the bookshop. And yet he turned around, there was a, a, a person there, he said, and he said, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And he said, you're the first person this week, what's going on? And this person just poured the life out and said, these people talk to me, and oh, this is going on, that's going on. He said, well, I think you're ready to give your life to Jesus. And so they did. And then David said he just felt himself walking off and going on about his business. The most unlikely places, the most unlikely people, is not what we feel or what we want to do, is that what God is doing through us to further his kingdom and to see people come to know Christ as their saviour, to recognise exactly who Jesus is for them in their relationship with God, through Jesus. 
You can't have what other people have got. It's about your own individual unique relationship between father and son and through the son. Because he is the one that came to give and to bring all, to pay that ultimate sacrifice. But then what we have when we bring that all together, the gifts and skills that God blesses upon us individually, is that we then come and we form fellowship together. And we share and we hopefully learn and we pick up and we take and we want to nurture and deepen that faith with one another through God so that we too in this place can further out and better ourselves within the community and for others, bringing the love and the light of Christ into the dark places. And you know as well as I do, there's some pretty dark places out there. And maybe we're feeling them ourselves. So it's not about all the out there, it's within as well that we encourage one another and lift one another up and bless one another rather than tearing down and pulling down and help along that journey. Which then in turn enables us to go out and share that with others. And so on, that perpetual cycle keeps going. Disciples who make disciples, exactly what Jesus called us to do and showed us the way to do. Let me look at wrapping this up as we reflect upon Jesus, ultimately, the magnitude of his sacrifice for his willing obedience to the Father's plan. He took our place upon the cross, bearing the weight of the sins of the world, that torn veil signifying the access to God's presence, that all may come. The centurion's confession reminds us that salvation is available to all who recognise Jesus as the Son of God and as our Lord and as our Saviour. And I guess through all of that and through all of what we've been through, it leaves the huge question. It does leave a huge question for each of us. Who do you say Jesus is? Is he a man, a myth, a legend, a good old guy? Or do you see him as the son of man, the son of the most high God, the son of the blessed one, the son of David, the son of God? Do you see him as your Lord of lords and your King of kings? Who's able to set you free from the bondage of death, where one day, we will stand face to face where all what he said and promised will come to fruition. Whereas I'm sure of whatever it may look like, and we've all seen different things and heard different things, but as an image, as we're coming towards him, he stands there with a cup. Well done, good and faithful servant. Here, come and join me for a drink. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just pray that this truth will resonate within our hearts. I just pray that this message in, in some way may just reach out to somebody who may be struggling. Maybe struggling within their faith at the moment. Maybe struggling to just to recognise exactly who you are. And so I pray, Lord, that the truths 
within your message will resonate in the hearts and lead people into a deeper understanding of the profound significance of who you are, Jesus. As you are who you say you are. And that belief and knowledge in that and the acceptance of opening our hearts to receive you into our lives, that we would see that we are no longer slaves to fear, but that we are a child of God. That no matter what we face, no matter what we go through, even though we may walk in the darkest shadows and the valleys of death, we will not fear any evil because you are with us. Your rod and your staff comforts us. Because you have broken those chains. You have broken the bonds and snares and toils of death. And you will lead us into pastures where we may find rest and recovery. Where we too will stand strengthened and encouraged and anointed in and by you and through you to go and declare that Jesus Christ is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And that you would declare with your lips alone that he is your saviour. So by power of Holy Spirit, would you come and would you breathe afresh amongst us? Would you revive our hearts for those that have declared with our lips before that you are our Lord and saviour? Would you revive us and enable us and encourage us and strengthen us to go out and to declare to all that will listen that Jesus Christ is risen he lives and reigns forevermore. Come and see the person that has known everything about you. Come into that relationship and seek the one who will bring about a transformative power in your lives. Lord, would you come and do your work, we pray. In your name and for your glory. Amen. Amen. As we do come to sing this last song, which is no longer a slave to fear, I am a child of God, maybe we can use it as a prayer, as a declaration, that whatever we're facing, we know that we can stand counted free as a child of God. And maybe if you are suffering or going through something, there's an opportunity, as always, to come and to talk or to come and be prayed with and prayed for. Here's an opportunity to do that. Whilst this song goes on, don't be embarrassed, don't be afraid. Come and receive the blessing of your Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, yeah, a few weeks ago, David said a similar thing. And I was feeling really quite a long way from God. And I knew he was there, but I wasn't leaning on him. And I have to say that since I came forward and I was a bit, I'm not sure... Because obviously, you know, you stand up in front of everyone, it's a bit like, come to the front, everyone sees you. Um, but I have to say, I am now feeling closer with God and I'm seeing him, not seeing him, but seeing him in my life. And just, yeah, it's worth it, basically. Come and be prayed for if you're wavering or you're not sure. Um, and also... <laughs> I know we don't have time for this, but God said I had to say. Um, so this week I was with a friend and she, we, we talk about God quite a lot, but she's not Christian. Um, and she said, you know, I want to believe, but I just can't. 
And so I just wanted to pray for all those people who want to believe, whether they're in here or whether they're out. Those who who just can't for whatever reason, let's just pray. Um, Father God, we just pray this morning that those people who are nearly there, who would like to be your children, but who have a blockage, I pray, Lord, that you would convict them, that you would send your Holy Spirit to them. But I also pray that when they speak to us, that we would have the words to give them. Lord, fill us anew and send us out in your spirit to do your work in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's just declare those words there from your hearts. I am no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Go in the knowledge that God goes before us God goes with us, before us, behind us, above us, below us, to our left, to our right, within and without, at all times, in all places. Because surely his goodness will follow us all the days of our lives. Go well and go in peace. God bless.